is the last coffee house. We did it. We found the longest book of all time. It's Gargantuan Pantagruel by Francois Rabelais. It's a satire about some mythological stuff. It was published in parts from 1532 to 1564. Now, I did. I did. I went through the trek. I got to the end. I read the whole thing. Well, read a lot of it and then listened to the rest of it. <laughs> but I got through the whole thing. So what are the contents? It is... It's got a lot of sex, a lot of lowbrow humor. <laughs> Apparently the point was to thumb its nose, so for Rabelais to thumb his nose at religious asceticism. They had a lot of creeping religious asceticism at the time, so this was kind of a, a counterattack to that. It was occasionally funny, can't deny that. There were some funny bits that made me laugh along the way. Generally, it's just the main characters, a giant, Gargantua and his son, Pantagruel, getting into shenanigans. So I think the the original, the first book was about Pantagruel and him, and it would have things like, I think it has both of them as children, you know, being born and going to school and, and things like that. It'll have things from their childhood and they'll grow up and want to get married and that sort of thing. And I know they're like giants and stuff, so it's a little strange. There's some, there's a battle at some point. There's other stuff going on. The word cuck is used a lot. But there were also portions of the book that would just be lists for pages, just lists of things. Thing after thing after thing, it would have like a, a noun or something or another word just modified by another word and it would just say it over and over and over and over again and just keep going and I, I'm sure there's some reason. <laughs> But I was so uninterested in whatever this was trying to say. I get that it was just the a satirical attack on the asceticism or whatever, on being too rigid. It's like, hey man, let's, let's just go out and, and smoke some stuff and have some sex, whatever, fine. But at some point, I was just, I completely shut off and I didn't care what it was trying to say. There wasn't enough when it came to like philosophical rigor or plot structure or anything like that that was keeping attention. It was just stuff kept happening and more stuff and more stuff and more stuff and uh, I was just racing along. So I didn't even, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I did not even record any quotes in my notes here and I'm not going to go back and find ones that I had highlighted or whatever. So I'm just going to read a couple so you understand what the writing style is because that's what I do. Quote, readers, friends, if you turn these pages, put your prejudice aside, for really, there's nothing here that's outrageous, nothing sick or bad or contagious. Not that I sit here glowing with pride, for my book all you'll find is laughter. That's all the glory my heart is after, seeing how sorrow eats you, defeats you. I'd rather write about laughing than crying, for laughter makes men human and courageous. Francois Rabelais. Uh, that he didn't put his name in the quote. That that was the end of the quote before that. So uh, honestly, that kind of seems like nice. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> seems seems quality. I just want to make you laugh. That's all I'm trying to do. That's that's kind of a nice nice thing. So sorry for trashing your book. Quote: This is the true nature of gratitude. Time gnaws and diminishes all things, but it increases and adds to our good deeds. Anytime we have extended a generous hand to a rational human being, that goodness keeps growing and glowing in the man's heart, forever remembered, constantly contemplated. End quote. Nice, super sweet sentiment. Again, okay, I was trying to find something that would annoy me, but I don't know that I'll have a chance here. Oh, here you go. I perceive I will die confected in the very stench of farts. All right, great. I never wanted to say that word again in my life. I haven't said it for a very long time. And look what you did. You made me say it because you're so lowbrow, you trash. So thank you for giving me a chance to 
to throw a fit about that. But that's that's the writing style. I mean, there are some clever pro... Like I said, I laughed occasionally, and it was fine. It was originally written in French, obviously, but I just... I could not get into this damn thing. Analysis. We're, that's right. We're going right to it. So, the fifth book apparently is disputed as authorship of it. It might have been somebody else who wrote it. I didn't read the details on that. One expert on this particular work described the work as exhibiting carnivalesque and grotesque realism. Which is actually, the analysis by this guy sounds much more interesting than the actual book. So carnivalesque, it makes sense to me. It felt like you were just kind of tossed in and then just shook around all over the place. So it's like being at a carnival, things are just popping up all over and you just, you pay for that, you have your cheap crappy food and although some, car like, um, there's this one county, no that's not a carnival, that's a fair. <laughs> What's a carnival? <laughs> I know what a carnival, but this fair was amazing. It had amazing food. It was so good. And then another one, it was the state fair, had the worst euro I've ever, it might be, it's top two worst foods I've ever had in my entire life. It was so bad. It was absolutely horrendous. It was disgusting. It was one of the few meals ever that I didn't finish. And I've accidentally eaten things with pickles, and pickles are horrendous. So, I mean, this thing was ugh, disgusting. Anyway. But carnivalesque, it sounds like a, whatever the theory is behind that, sounds like a good description of it. If somebody, like, pings me somewhere and says that this book is absolutely incredible, I need to reread it, then I'll go read this analysis of it and try to figure out whether it's, it's actually worth it or not. And grotesque realism, so that sounds apt too. I mean, a lot of it, it was kind of strange because you felt like you were still tethered to the things that happen to human beings. You know, like you have your regular birth and marriage and wars and that kind of a thing and going to school, <laughs> but you're a giant and all sorts of weird stuff is going on. So, so grotesque realism is probably a good description too, which both of those ideas make it sound more interesting to me. And of course, there's a whole being critical of certain ascetic religious practices, which was something that the Decameron did before this. So it's, I don't know how incredibly novel it was, but still, I mean, two books like 50 years apart, they can, they can do roughly the same things. I mean, it's, it's not that terrible of a thing. But it didn't actually seem to go as far as to criticize religion in general. It seemed more these particular practices that tell you have to be so rigid and, and throw off all the positive things, you know, the enjoyable, pleasurable things in life. That throwing all those things on the trash heap, that that is what is being criticized. So there were some really cool illustrations that I saw related to the book, but they weren't in the version that I had. I just saw them related to it elsewhere. Big picture wise, after this and Infinite Jest, can we just please stop with long ass books, please? I don't want to read any more of these kinds. Anybody writing now, if it's like gigantic, just cut it up, make it a sequel or something at least. Or just don't, you don't need that many words. Nobody needs that, get an editor. Nobody needs that many words, Jesus. So, where is literature today? That is the question, because as we were coming up, obviously, they were challenging social norms. That's that's a big part of what was happening. When you have things like Ian Forster challenging how the expectations of women in society and that kind of a thing. Uh, same thing for, like, Virginia Woolf. And these books of the Cameron and Gargantua and Pantagruel are challenging what you see as immoral versus moral and what kinds of behaviors and kinds of pleasures you can be okay with versus not and all that. So what is it, what is literature doing today? It just seems like uh, all the things, like that open decadence thing is completely played out. It's already been done 100% by now and all of the stances that people writing literature today that are just 
trying to push some kind of a more open narrative or you like do what you want kind of a thing it's just they already it's already over there's nothing else to talk about on that front so it's weird because the revolutionary narrative now would be one that's saying that it's okay to have those restrictions it's okay to be inspired by them or interested in them to have those restrictions on yourself and on people and, and i'm not talking about like tyrannical ones or anything like that i'm talking about like socially it's okay to buy into the idea of family it's okay to buy into the idea of monogamy or something like that that would be the revolutionary thing to be saying right now that it's something that we we got over it being some aspect of social pressure and now we realize you know it's actually a pretty good thing so I don't know, that seems where literature kind of is. And I wanna <laughs> I, I wanna see where literature goes now. I don't know. I'm gonna read the rest of these these great works of literature. I'm gonna keep reading all the nonfiction stuff and then we'll we'll see where we are. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you on the next one. This is the last coffee house. Bye. <laughs>